0: Amen. Okay. I wanted to let you know that um, after this service, uh, my wife and I and Ella and little Ethan on the way are leaving uh, to go to Indiana for a couple weeks. I'm going to finish off my master's degree and um, officiate my brother's wedding, and, and then um, I'll be back. But during that time, I want you to know that uh, uh, I, I need you to really be in prayer. Uh, we'll be coming together, bringing our uh, a system into place here at Windover Hills about how we're going to do relationships, how we're going to do discipleship, and how we're going to have the expectations here. So really be in prayer about this. this is helping to, to fulfill the vision that we already started of one more here at this church. Okay, so really be in prayer about that. I'm really excited about uh, what's going to happen in the days to come. And uh, I'm just asking everyone right now as as a church to really be patient and to be in prayer mode Uh, during this time because it's going to be critical. I really believe that Windover Hills is going to see some days like it's never seen before. I really sense that in my spirit because I really believe God wants to do something awesome through this church. So really be in prayer about this because it's going to be a lot of strategizing, a lot of prayer, and a lot of uh, relationship building here at this church and throughout this church into this community by far. Okay? So some exciting days ahead. Also, uh, I know we mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but if you were not here, we do have our our website up and running. Um, So the website, I didn't even give you the domain name, I'm so sorry. It's uh, www.windoverhills.org, okay? That's our new website, check it out. You can listen to the uh, messages online. You can have a worship experience on there that we got on there. Uh, You can find out some new information, check our calendar, see what the upcoming events are and, um, and the, the website is just about done. Just have a couple pages left to fulfill there and, and we're, we're good. So if you haven't checked it out yet, check it out. It's pretty cool, it's pretty sweet. And also if you are uh, really into uh, website type of stuff, I don't know, <laughs> uh, if, if you're good with computers, if, you're, if you like to, to do that kind of stuff, if you like to create and, and be creative, uh, come see me because I'm looking to form a team that can keep this website up and running and fresh all the time. So if you're interested in that, come see me or, uh, or Facebook me or something like that. Okay? Is that cool? Alright, cool. Thank you so much. And thank you for your prayers in advance as um, Candace and I leave um, this afternoon. Alright. Oh, you're going to love this today, this message. The Bible says, do everything Everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Like ripping a Band-Aid off your skin, there is no easy way of obeying this passage of Scripture, is there? Everything without complaining or arguing. Why? Because it's in our human nature to complain, isn't it? Uh, I told you last week that Candace and I went on a cruise for our anniversary, but what I didn't tell you was our experience on day number one. And it was uh, quite in- interesting because uh, Candace and I had never been on a cruise before, and it was just a three-day cruise, but uh, that morning we had to get to Florida to board the ship, and so we took the 5.30 a.m. flight it was very early, so we had to get up really early, like four o'clock, something like that. Make it to Greensboro and then make it to uh, the airport and, and, and leave from there. Uh, so, needless, needless to say, we were exhausted, all right? And so, when we got there, uh, we find ourselves amongst a mass amount of people ready to board this ship. Over a thousand, um, I estimated there, over a thousand people in that large mass of people. And so, I thought it was uh, kind of odd when all of a sudden we were pulled out of the crowd and taken to the front of the line. And I'm like, wow, like, this is crazy. Like, why wouldn't, lucky us, you know, like, what's going on here? I mean, we're getting the royal treatment. They have taken us and a few others out of the line, out of all these people, and they took us to the front of the line. And we board the ship first. Now, now, I know, I know the scripture about the first shall be last, last shall be first. You know what I'm saying? But in that moment, I was a little bit excited. I mean, we were in that moment, and I'm like, wow, the treatment's unbelievable. Wow, it's our first cruise. And so they take us to the front of line, and, and then all of a sudden they, they, they have this important-looking guy. He starts giving us a, a little bit of a tour and a little bit of background history. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. Did they treat everyone like this, this would be amazing. We're definitely coming back, right? And so uh, they take us to uh, our room, And and so we drop off our luggage, and before we can even sit down to rest, which we were looking forward to doing, uh, they take us to another person. And all of a sudden I thought, oh no, (laughs) I know what's going on now. They're going to take us to a high-pressured sales um, pitch about their vacation packaging, and that's exactly what they were doing. So they took us to this little area with, with some um, food, and uh, they, they had about two people with us, and you saw other couples that were being targeted in this little area, and so they take us and, and they sit us down, and we're, we're exhausted, you know, and, and I got in the back of my mind, I'm not gonna buy anything. <laughs> I'm not giving in, <laughs> right? And so we sit there, and uh, and and Diane, was her name, says, just going to take an hour. We're like, great. And we get a fifty dollar gift certificate at the end. I'm like, cool, that works. And so she's going into this pitch and stuff, and she's, and you know, she's doing a great job, and and, and really just laying out the whole vacation packaging. And uh, uh, but you know, all throughout, I, I, I kept letting her know, I'm sorry, we're not we're not interested in this. Uh, we don't have it in our budget. I just took the Dave Ramsey class. You know who he is. She's like, yeah, you know. Come <laughs> so uh, as, as I'm saying it, you know, uh, uh, I keep politely saying, no, you know, we can't afford this. We can't do this. And, and she just kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing. Three hours later, I have a pregnant wife, just so you know, all right. I'm like, Diane, please. I was like, we're not going to accept this. And she got irate and was basically telling us that, we're, that, you, that our plan just doesn't work in life and blah, 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 and was, just, and was just so upset, so offended that I would not accept this deal. We just kept saying no, you know? And we're like, we told her no so many different times. We just wanted to get back in our room and rest, you know? And, and this went on, I mean, for three hours. Finally, It finally ended... But Candace and I were extremely frustrated. And so we head back to our room. And this was supposed to be our anniversary three-day relaxing trip on a cruise. And we get back to our room. You'd think we'd wanna get down and rest and just say, oh, let's, just, let's just sleep for a while and then, and then have some fun. We couldn't, we were so frustrated, so mad. You know what we did for the next 20, 30 minutes? We complained. We go, can you believe that they would do this to us? Like, hello, I'm pregnant. Or like, hello, I told you no like a thousand times, lady. Like, I mean, we were just talking back and forth. We were just grumbling, you know. We were just we were complaining for about 20, 30 minutes. And, and, and we were still frustrated and, and angry at the end of the 20, 30 minutes. We couldn't even sleep. We couldn't even rest. And finally, we had to come to a point where we say, all right. If we're going to enjoy the rest of our cruise, we've got to get past this. So we did that. We got past it. We had a great time the rest of the trip. But I'll tell you what. It's so easy to complain, isn't it? And we're in that moment, and you think it's going to get better when you unload, and it doesn't. Actually, I heard about this, uh, about a, a cruise line last year. I thought this was pretty hilarious. This couple that invested into this cruise company uh, had spent three years going on this cruise, like twice a year, just big time, you know. But this lady of this couple complained all the time. And so what they did is they sent her a letter in the mail last year and said they were, they were banned for life <laughs> for getting on that ship because they, were, because they complained so much. Now, that's pretty far out. I mean, that's, you have to do a lot of complaining to be abandoned by a cruise um, line. That's, that's pretty bad. But why is it? The question is, why is it so hard for us not to complain? Well, the message uh, version of the Bible describes our passage today that we just talked about in Philippians 2, that we should be like a breath of fresh air. Don't you love being around people there like a breath of fresh air? Very joyful, very positive, very encouraging. Love being around people like that. And that's what the Bible describes us as we need to be a breath of fresh air. So I wrote down, as I was thinking about this, I wrote down my top five reasons why I think, you can agree with me or not, why I think we complain. Are you ready for this? Say yes. Okay, yes. All right, we're ready. Number one, Top five reasons why I think we complain. Number one, we feel like we have the right to complain. <laughs> we feel like we have the right to complain. Have you ever seen that show? I think it's called Airline or something like that. Uh, it, it's about, uh, uh, well, a- airlines. But, they, but they, they're there, and they, and, and they just show these people complaining all the time. They go up to, these, to, the, uh, to the station where these um, attendants are, and... and and basically just gripe and complain about a delay or about a cancellation or about whatever it may be about the airline. And these people will just go off on them because they feel like they have the right to do so. After all, their plane was delayed or canceled or something happened, so they feel like, I have to unload on you, it's my right, or I have the right to complain. A lot of times we feel like we have that right to complain. and really, we have no right to complain at all. The only one in the world that would ever have any right to complain was Jesus Christ. You know what? He didn't even complain. And he was, he was God in human flesh on this earth. I mean, think about it. Going from heaven to earth, from heaven where everything is just glorious, incredible, to earth in a human body, with, with um, you know, the ability to, to sneeze, you know, to, to catch a cold. Uh, to, uh, and yet Jesus never complained. Never. He was perfect. But we feel like we have the right to complain. We don't. Number two, see if you agree with me. We think it's a healthy way of releasing frustration and anger. I think if I just get this out, I'm going to feel better afterwards. Normally what happens is you just get more frustrated and more angry, don't you? Until you become a full-time negative person. You know any full-time negative people? If it's you, you probably don't even know it, do you? The person next to you is like, yeah, I know, but I'm not going to turn my head to make them think that I know. Because I know what they're going to do. They're going to complain to me. A full-time negative person. We don't want to get that way. But yet, uh, we feel like it's a healthy way of releasing frustration and anger, but it's not. How about number three? It's a way, <laughs> wow, I mean, this was, this was inspired, this one. Let me tell you this one. It's a way of sharing a common bond with someone else. <laughs> Some relationships are built on complaining. Have you ever been in a checkout line and the person in front of you is like, Man, can you believe this line? I mean, it is so... Can you believe how slow this clerk is? I can't believe blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, you're like, yeah. Yeah, I can't, be- I can't believe this either. And then the, the person behind you is like, yeah. Yeah, and all of a sudden, you form this bond. You know, you're like the three amigos. And you're like, yeah, I can't believe this. Look at what... What are we going through? I mean, it, we're waiting five minutes to, to check out. I can't believe this. It's unbelievable. And we share this common bond with one another. Imagine if you built your marriage on that, or if you built your, your relationship, your boyfriend, girlfriend or whatever on that. I mean, that's dangerous, Because the rest of your life you just talk about stuff that upsets you. I know a couples like that. You, no one in here, thank goodness, uh, but it's like you just build it around that, and that's all they talk about. That's their joy. Their joy is to complain. And that's not good. That's not healthy for any relationship. How about number four? Are these sitting home with any of you? Okay, number four. Makes us feel like we've confronted the problem. If I just complain about it, it's like I've, I've, I've tackled it now. I've, I've really confronted the issue. And we know that we haven't confronted the issue. Because the way you confront issues, either by prayer, or if you have a problem with someone, to go into talking to that person. But have you really confronted the issue? We think we do when we start complaining, but we really haven't. And how about number five? We use the excuse, everyone else complains, right? Everyone else is doing it. And that's the problem. Because Jesus calls his believers to be different, to be set apart. Now I know probably 100% of us in here have complained at one time in our lives. But it's the constant complaining that is an issue, the continual complaining. When we know that we are called to be different, we are called to be a breath of fresh air in a world that wants to um, basically tear down everything. You know, that's why we've got uh, judges for all these reality TV shows, right? We've, got, we're, we've, we've, become, we've become a world where we just, we constantly have to gripe or nitpick at somebody or something All the time. And sad enough, sometimes it creeps into the church. And it has no place in the church whatsoever. Now, here's um, uh, something that I I found uh, a letter actually uh, written by RT from Wisconsin. He talks about the worst date he ever had. And he labels this the complaining woman. All right? I want you to listen to this. He says, I'm a single guy, and I've been on a lot of dates in the past few months. The majority of the women I meet are really interesting, cute, fun, smart. I've been told I'm a great catch, so when I met a certain woman at the local supermarket, I thought I had found the right one. When I first saw her, my heart just melted. She was wearing a cute dress, and her smile was like something out of a magazine. We flirted a little bit, and I made my move. We exchanged phone numbers, and the next day we planned to go out on a date. I decided to take her to one of my favorite restaurants that I've been to so many times that everyone knows me there. On the way to the restaurant, we had a really nice conversation. She told me her interest, and I told her mine. We both love dogs, and we can't stay away from chocolate. We arrived at the restaurant, and everything was going great until we got inside. The waiter led us to our seat, and as soon as we sat down, she started complaining about where we sat. She said it was too dark, and that there were too many people near us. Once the waiter came back to take our orders, she asked how long were the meals going to take because she uh, to be prepared because she didn't have time all night to wait. The waiter told, it, told us it would be about 45 minutes. She couldn't believe it. She started ranting and raving about how mistreated we were being, and she wanted to speak to a manager. The manager came out and told her that there was nothing he could do about it, so she got up and walked out. I followed her outside and tried to calm her down, but instead she blamed me, for taking her to a restaurant where she didn't feel like we were being treated right. She told me she wanted to go home, so I took her home. She didn't say a word when she got out of the car. She slammed the door shut and walked inside her house. I never called her again. <laughs> we don't like being around people that complain all the time, do we? And you know what, Jesus didn't like it either. If you remember uh, the story of Jesus in Simon the leper's house in Mark chapter 14, and it's recorded another where another place in the Gospel, then Mark chapter 14, and, and they're at this table, and they're, and they're having a meal together with the disciples and with Simon the leper, and all of a sudden a woman comes in through the door. And she has this expensive um, um, amount of perfume in her hand in this, in this alabaster jar. And what she does is she pours it over Jesus' head as a sign of her love and devotion to him. Now, the thing was that, that, these, that, that this perfume, it says, was worth more than a year's wages. Imagine your entire salary for one year being poured out. She did this for Jesus Christ. And what did the disciples do and those who were sitting at the table? Well, I, I just can't believe it. Why would you waste that kind of money? Why would you waste that, that nice of perfume? I can't believe you just poured out everything you just had. What a waste. We could have used it for the poor. We could have used it for this and that and the other. And they started complaining. And Jesus says this in verse 6. He says, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Jesus didn't care for the complainers either, did he? So if we want to... um, experience a life of less complaints, here's, here's something that, that you should note here. That when you complain, you remain unchanged by God's love. When you complain, you remain unchanged by God's love. I can't imagine anyone that has an extremely vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ has anything to complain about. Because He is our all, isn't He? He, he, he fulfills us totally. He is our joy, our salvation. Why would we want to complain? Why do we have anything to complain about? Something to think about as we go through the scripture. So if we want to experience a life of less complaints and more encouragement, we need to look to God's word for answers. So in Philippians chapter 2, if you'll turn there with me. We read a little bit in the very beginning, but Philippians chapter 2, focus on verses 12 through 16. Paul, the Apostle Paul who's writing this letter to the believers in Philippi is in prison for sharing his faith of Jesus Christ. He's in prison. And you would think that he would be complaining too, right? I mean, it wasn't even right for him to be thrown into prison because he was simply proclaiming the message of Christ, the gospel. But yet he was thrown into prison think he would be complaining right now, chained up and everything else. But listen to what he says. This is incredible. In Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 12, he says, therefore, my dear friends, he's talking to this church, he calls them dear friends, that close relationship, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, notice I didn't say work for your salvation. I want to make sure that's clear. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not of works, so that no one can boast. God has given us the free gift of salvation for those who believe in him. But Paul is saying, Work out your salvation. And in another part of of Philippians, he says, Live up to what we've already attained. All right? Working out your salvation with fear and and trembling Meaning that you're trusting more in God and His, His will for our life rather than in ourselves and our will for our lives. We're trusting more in God. It's fear and trembling. It says, for it, is God's, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. How many of you believe that God has a purpose for your life? If you're not sure, He does. He absolutely has a purpose for your life and He's working in you. He is constantly working in you. And you've got to be willing for allowing God to work in you. you know We have um, basically God's um, uh, divine enablement here, and then we have our responsibility over here. We are in wor- we're working with God in this, in this whole working out of our salvation. We didn't work to get our salvation, but as we work out our salvation, as we become more Christ-like, as we, as we, as we do this by, by honoring God and, and fearing God and respecting God, um, we we partner with God in this in this journey together, and we see that um, that that we can be more effective for Him, more of a witness for Him than by ourselves. And so, um, so we get to our favorite part in the passage, right? Uh, verse fourteen, where He says, "Do everything without complaining or arguing." I say, okay, well, well, Pastor, what does everything mean? <laughs> it means everything, everything, every single thing, everything. You can look it up in the Greek, the Hebrew, the Aramaic. It means everything. Do everything. Now, what does that look like? How about you finish my sentence for me? Uh, I'll start a sentence. You finish by saying it. I want you to say it with a lot of zeal. Say, don't complain. All right. I want you to do this. All the other. can you try with me. All right, a little bit more zeal next time. I can feel this. All right, here we go. This means, what does everything mean? When the waitress messes up your order. When you're stuck in traffic. When your spouse doesn't live up to your expectations. Maybe I should repeat that one. When your spouse doesn't live up to your expectations. Very good. Uh, When all you have left in the bank is a $5 bill. When you don't like the worship service on a particular Sunday. I just have to throw that in there. I don't know. Not that anybody's complaining. When you say, or when people say, I'm not complaining, but don't complain. Because you know they're probably about to complain. Okay. Okay. Uh, Because when you complain, you do remain unchanged by God's love. I mean, you can't imagine when you're in the presence of God and when you're continuing spending time and getting to know Him better and understand His love, His grace, that He has just poured out on you. Man, there's no reason to complain about anything, is there? We have a hope, and that hope is that Jesus Christ is coming back someday to get us. We have a hope that when we breathe our last breath, that we're going to be in the presence of God for eternity. With that kind of hope, with that kind of perspective, with taking a step back from all the craziness of life, we can see that there's, there's no reason to complain. I want you guys to keep each other in check as you walk out the doors today as well, I and mean, you get in your car and you're behind that slow person. God will be testing you. Just wait. All right? But really, the the, the verses 15 and 16 explain why this is so important. It says, "So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars." Do you love that? "Which you shine like stars in the universe, as you hold out or hold firmly the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor." for nothing. Remember, Paul is talking to the believers of the Church of Philippi. It's interesting to note that in chapter 1 he says in verse 5, he reminds him of the partnership in the Gospel. And in verse 27 he says these words, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a worthy manner of the Gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or hear or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm, get this, stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Paul saying, listen, we don't have time to mess around complaining and arguing. We've got a world who is so lost, a community right outside of this church of this building that needs to know Jesus Christ desperately. Paul's saying, if we waste our time on this petty stuff, we're not going to be very effective in bringing the kingdom to earth. Right? We're not going to be very effective in furthering God's kingdom. We're not going to be very effective in shining his light. How can you complain and still shine? It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen that way. So he reminds us of that. Um, We need to become light once again. We need to allow God's love to propel us toward the light, his son, Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus said in John 8, 12, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If I could have you guys shut off all the lights during this time. Many of you have a, uh, a porch light or a light beside the entrance door to your house. And if that is true of you, you probably know all about the moth. You just love the moth. A few of them may have even entered your house before. Do you know why? Because they are drawn to the light. Amen, sister. They are attracted to the light. Matter of fact, it's hard for a moth to leave the light because did you know this? When they leave the light, they become temporarily blind. It reminds us of our life as well. When we're not living in the light, when we're not when we don't have a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ and we start to go our own way, we become blind too, don't we? We become spiritually blind. But the great thing about the moth is that it can't stand not to be in the light. And I hope that is all of you today, that you can't wait to spend your time in the light. Because once we do, We become a breath of fresh air. We start to complain less and encourage more. We start to shine like Jesus Christ. Whatever it takes, get to the light and shine. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. We know it's easy, Lord, to get bogged down in the details of life. To be in that place where we feel like we just have to unload our frustrations maybe to other people or to whatever, but help us to take that to you, Lord. Help us to know that by giving it over to you, to rolling it off our back and rolling it on your back, Lord, that you'll help us in that situation. We know that as we spend more time with you, Lord, being in the light, we know that we ourselves will start to shine more of you. Because by ourselves, we can't. And if we're going to be an an effective witness in this community of Greensboro or High Point or Winston-Salem or Kernersville or wherever our people are located, I pray, Father God, that we always remember it won't happen unless we're abiding in you. We must abide in you. You are our joy, our salvation, our peace. There's no reason for us to complain. Now, we know it happens, but you know, when it does happen, Lord, help us just to repent and say, Lord, I've got all the hope in the world. <laughs> There's no reason for me to be negative in that, man- in the, in that manner because I want to be a light for someone else. I want somebody to be able to be drawn to you like the moth is drawn to the light by our porch light. <laughs> are the ones that get into our house and everything else because they want to get in there desperately, Lord. It's just like, man, could we be that kind of light where people are so attracted to you. Help us to live that way, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. You are amazing. You are our God, our Father, our friend. In your precious name we pray, Jesus. Amen.